Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. All right, let's get into it. I'm reading out of the ESV, but uh, during parts of while we're speaking, I'll be referencing over into uh, the uh, uh, the NIV version because um, there's some ways that the NIV say it uh, that one makes it a little bit more clear. And then on top of it, really kind of certain words really came out that I felt God was like really pushing the button on. Um, anyway, let's read into it. Nehemiah chapter four. Uh, verse one. Now, um, when Sambalot heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he <clears throat> jeered at the Jews. Um, and he said in the presence of his brothers and, and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Uh, will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish and burn ones at that? And we're going to get into that question uh, in a little bit. Uh, Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him, and he said, yes, they are building. Uh, Yes, what are they building? Uh, If a fox goes up on it, he will break it down. He will break down their stone wall. Hear, oh God. So verse four is here where Nehemiah breaks into a prayer. Just a quick context of the switch here. Hear, oh God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be uh, plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Um, verse six. So, so we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had uh, a mind to work. But when Sambalat and Tobiah, and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites uh, heard that the re- repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward. In that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them uh, day and night. In Judea, it was said, uh, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they will not know or see until we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall and in open places, I stationed the people. Uh, by their clans, uh, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked, 
in a, I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers and your sisters, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Verse 15, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans, we all returned to the wall, each to their work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, and the other half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens uh, were loaded in such a way that each labor on the work uh, on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded uh, the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated uh, on the wall, far from one another. On the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears, uh, from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. The word of the Lord. All right. So as you can probably tell, there's definitely a lot of like um, there's there's guards, there's weapons being talked about. There's, you know, uh, there's a threat that they're going up, up against that they're perceiving this understanding. They have uh, all of this and they're they're on guard like this is very militaristic. Right. This is very like I've got my weapon ready at all times. Like I'm good to go. And and so, yeah, you can definitely see where my veteran side is kind of geeking out on this. But there's some other lessons in here that I really want to hit on. And and one of these really is at the very beginning. Um, Sambalot here is is coming against the Jews. And it says in the in ESV, he jeered or otherwise, you know, he 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 was ha- heckling them. He was going against them. He was calling them names. He was, um, you know, saying all of these, uh, basically trying to curse them, if you will. He's trying to curse them. He's trying to say all these negative things for them to believe. He's saying lies. He's saying lies, right? And then he makes all of these rhetorical questions, right? Will they restore it for themselves? Otherwise, like they're just doing this selfishly. Um, will, will they go back to sacrificing, you know, and all of this? And he's, he's trying to like, you were like, well, yeah, that's what the Jews do. They sacrifice to God. They have, you know, all of this, but here's like, somebody just wants to make fun of you for a natural, normal thing that you do. And for some reason they, they spin it in the tone of their voice to where it's such a negative thing. And you makes you rethink, am I doing the right thing? Uh, Is this even okay for me to do? Why am I getting made fun of for something just quite normal or what I'm called to do? Um, 
he basically he does all these retort, but there's one in the very last part. Will they re- revive the stones? The NIV says, can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of the rubble burned as they are? That, that phrase, bring the stones back to life, uh, really stuck out at me. And I was like, what do you mean? Stones aren't even alive. They're just material. And I was thinking, what is the what do we mean by the word life? And there's a major thing that is differentiating with what is alive versus what is just raw matter or material. There's no life to it. Uh, and so life has purpose and meaning, right? If if it's alive, it was created with a purpose and a meaning specifically to go function in that. A stone is just raw material. And since we have life, we now give stone purpose. So if I take granite as it's just in, it's just material in the earth, but I take it out and I smooth it out and I make a countertop on it. Now that stone has purpose. I've given it purpose. I fashioned it into something to have a purpose. If I take that granite and I fashion it into a tombstone, actually, this was my grandfather used to do this. He was an artist and he drew tombstones uh, for others so that um, their loved ones that are lost can be, uh, you know, have a place to be memorialized, you know, and remembered. And so um, they would up in Vermont, they would just get these giant blocks of granite and they would fashion into these beautiful um, tombstones. There's a, a cemetery up in Vermont in Barrie that's probably one of the most artistic and beautiful cemeteries I've I still have ever seen in my life. Um, it, it's absolutely gorgeous with what some of the artistry that people have been able to do. But they took raw material now, given it purpose and meaning, but it, it doesn't have life unless life imposed on it. And so here's the will it bring the stones back to life? Otherwise, will it bring those stones? back to a real meaningful purpose of providing a boundary and protection that walls do. But there's even more to this of just saying if something, if life has or also gives purpose to things, there's another message in here of just saying, do you have life? And some of us out here, and this is a message for somebody, maybe you're on this Zoom, maybe you're listening to this podcast later, maybe you're on YouTube with this, or however, uh, or maybe you know somebody that needs to hear this. Do you have breath in your lungs right now? Can you hear the words that I'm saying? If you do, you can. you have life. Therefore, you have purpose and meaning still. Many of us, we feel like these burned stones that life has burned us. Life has uh, has been sucked out of us. Life has the meaning and purpose is gone and that I am just wasting space, which is completely false. 
Can we restore life even if you feel burned up? Absolutely, yes. If you have breath in your lungs, you have purpose, you have meaning, you have a call from God on your life for something, do not let that go. No matter how much life wants to come at you with all of, just like Sambalot, the Sambalots of life that want to come at you and burn you up with lies. What does burning do? It consumes it. It, it. it burns up the stone, but the stone didn't change. Last time I checked, stones don't really get like burned to where they don't, they're not functionable anymore. They get some ash and soot on the outside. They're kind of ugly. Maybe they need to get cleaned up. And maybe that's you. You need to get a little cleaned up. But you're not gone. You're not wasted. You're not wood. You're stone, right? Wood completely disintegrates. Stone here can be made new. Stone can be brought back. Stone, whether it feels burnt or looks ugly or is sitting in the trash, can still be pulled out and given life to it again. And if you're breathing, though, you're worth way more than stone. You have life. You have meaning. You have purpose And yes, you may be feeling burned by the lies of this world, by the lies of other people, and maybe even by the lies of what you've told yourself and what you're believing, but that can be changed because our God is a redeemer. Our God is a life restorer. Our God is a life renewer. Our God is one that loves you, that sent his only son to die for you, to have a relationship with not only to have life, but the creator of your life. You have purpose that can be cleaned up, polished, and seen of the purpose and meaning that God has created you to have. This really hit hard because um, I've had a lot of suicide happen in my life. I had a soldier that that got married and um, that really went astray very, very quickly. And unfortunately, he took his own life. Um, My own brother uh, tried to take his own life a number of times. Um, Thank God for the power uh, of people that love him and he is still alive today and he's flourishing has three beautiful boys and, uh, and a great marriage and um uh, and a testimony that would just that blows my mind of what god can do and but i've seen people that don't have god in their life that have not connected with our god that loves you so much that created you And I've seen where that just went astray. They didn't connect with the purpose from the purpose giver. And then, but the ones that have, I've seen life just get flourished and restored in them so much. 
These are lies. This is a perfect story of how the world wants to come against you, how the enemy wants to come against you and give you these rhetorical lies and bullying questions. And then we get it seeped in our head. And this is why in a way where the Bible says, don't curse one another. And it's not necessarily saying the F word or the S word or any of these things, but it's cursing their life. It's saying something against them. It's saying something for them to be seeped in their head. And just as God wants you to have the restoring and the renewing of your mind through his word to give you life. The enemy also wants to restore and renew your mind in a way that brings death that takes upon your words for you to believe what the enemy is trying to say to you. And he wants you to believe the lies that you're worthless, you're waste of space, you're oxygen thief, you're all of these other types of things that say, I don't deserve to be here anymore. And he wants to snuff you out versus God wants to bring life, wants to bring purpose, wants to bring meaning, wants to give you joy, wants to give you peace, wants to give you all of these things that are in his word, that are in his promise promises. The enemy didn't create you. God did. Because the enemy didn't send his son to, to restore that bridge with his creator. God, only God did that. God sent his only son to restore that bridge with you because he loves his creation. The enemy only wants to destroy what God has made. And that's you. And so this word is for somebody that I want you to really take this hold and that we see in here that people put up their defenses, but they still love God. And there's a balance in there. I'm going to get to the rest of uh, everything in Nehemiah 4 here, where it, but it ties all into here is that we must understand that we're at war. We're at war in our mind every day, all the time, with how the world, world wants to come against us and destroy us and tear us down. Maybe it's not even suicide, but maybe it's just a way of like, you're not flourishing. You're not promising. You're not. You're not feeling the promises of God. You're not uh, a feeling purpose filled. You're feeling purposeless in your life, and you you feel and you keep thinking you're a failure, or you have to work harder to receive certain things, and that's not true. You never have to work harder for God's love, because no amount of work does that. You already have it. You just need to say thank you and receive it. You just need to say thank you and receive it. And then all of the, the great things, the, the wonderful things that you see other people do that, that have and understand the purpose of what God has for them, that those are all things that come from faith, that come from love, that come from the realization of how much God loves you, how much God has purpose for you, how much God is there to lead and guide and love you throughout every bit of it and gives you grace for every stumble and gives you mercy for every fall and gives you love and compassion compassion for every time you think that I don't deserve love and compassion. And he's like, yes, you do. Because I created you and I love you. And my son took upon the sin of the world and has bridged that gap so we can talk and work through this. And I can restore your life and I can restore your purpose.
but we're in a battle because the enemy wants to seek, kill, and destroy us every day. And so, yeah, we're in a fight. And yeah, we have the Sambalats and Tobias that are coming against us. Yeah, we have threats in our lives. Yeah, we have bullies. Yeah, we have uh, even just culture in itself may not even be a specific person, but just we see in culture just saying, if you don't have enough money, you're not successful. If you don't have uh, a perfectly abiding kids uh, that are um, perfectly doing everything you say as a mom and dad, then you're a failure as a mom and dad. No, you're not. Sorry, you just have kids. Kids be kids. But we need to understand that we are in a battle, though, in our lives. We see that there's gaps um, going into verse 7. But then Sambal and Tobiah uh, and the Arabs and all of them heard of the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward. And the breaches or otherwise the gaps in the walls were being um, closed and they were very angry. See, this is exactly one of the things is I'm going to apply all of this to our lives here is that uh, the gaps in the breaches, where are the gaps in the breaches in your mind? Where are the gaps and breaches in your heart? Where are the gaps and breaches that unfortunately we need to close? We need to say, enemy, no more. You're not allowed in. You're not allowed with your lies in my mind anymore. You're not allowed with your evil thoughts in my mind anymore. No, I'm putting a gap. I'm put, I'm closing the gap. I'm putting a wall up. I'm putting up. I'm renewing the life to the stones of my walls to give barriers and boundaries against the things that are actually tearing me down. Whatever that is, wherever that is coming from and through, to you, you deserve, and it's okay, and it's healthy to create boundaries. And guess what? Unfortunately, and I'm going to tell it you like it is, there might be somebody even in your family that you need to put boundaries and walls up against because they're, unfortunately, even though they're blood family, they may be toxic. Maybe your best friend has turned toxic. Maybe in, uh, whoever it is that's be, that is a source that the enemy is using to come against you and say these things, do these things, or get you to believe lies, you deserve and need to put up boundaries so that you can fight the war. But if you're fighting a war where you're surrounded and you have no boundaries, you have no extra levels of protection. Last time I checked, I don't have eyes in the back of my head. I can't fight a 360 war by myself. So I need two things. I need other people to have my back. Christ-centered, loving, lifting up purpose-filled Christians, warriors that have my back in walls and boundaries. If I have those two things, man, the defenses and even the offenses I can take are so much greater than what I can do with a weapon and by myself. And we see exactly that that's what Nehemiah is doing here. He realizes that, hey, I need to keep building these walls because the enemy wants to come at me. The enemy's giving me threats. The enemy's trying to sow seeds of lies in our heads, not just me, but the whole 
uh, nation of Israel, the whole right here. And it's so much so that it has infected the people outside of Jerusalem in Judea, where it says in verse 10, um, these are the people of Judea. So otherwise it's, it could be other Jews, but they're not part of uh, the, in Jerusalem specifically. So they're not doing the walls. And it says the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. How many times have we thought things like this? Man, this is too big of a task. This is too big of an ask. This is too big of a project. This is going to take forever. There's too much rubble. There's too much. I'm too much of a hot mess to figure this out. Who has had those thoughts? I'm too much of a hot mess here. I'm too much of, of a failure. I'm too much of whatever it is. This is too big of a burden to, to bear. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the walls. That's the only truth statement here. By ourselves, we cannot do anything. Just like our verse right now in 1926 is from Matthew. With man. It's impossible. But with God, anything is possible. We can't do it by ourselves. We must have our God with us. We must have his guidance and his understanding and his wisdom and his renewing and his grace and his mercy on us. We must do it with him and with our with the body of Christ around us, with other brothers and sisters that are warriors for Christ as well around us. We cannot do this by ourselves. It's the only truth statement in this statement here in these quotes in verse 10 that is true. We cannot do it by ourselves. You're right, we can't, but we have our God, our mighty God that can do anything behind us. And we have each other that has faith in our God as well. But don't believe these. The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. Oh, it's too much. It's not going as fast as I want, so therefore it's failing. No, it's just who said it has to go by your timeline. It's on God's timeline. Just keep plugging away. Just be 1% better today than yesterday. Not 10, not 20, not 50%. Too often we think we have to make these giant leaps and strides so quickly because of our culture now that tells us we have to move so fast. But guess what? Just make 1% better today. Make 1% better that you've... I was talking to a guy this past Sunday. And he's like, man, this week has been terrible. And he's like, but, you know, and I almost didn't come to church. And I was like, but you did today. You're 1% better than yesterday. Oh, man, I don't know. I was like, you're here at church, aren't you? You're making one stride, one small, simple step in your day to be at least 1%. Maybe I'd give it to, right? He's 2% better today than yesterday because he's making strides in the right direction. Be 1% better today than yesterday. What is that one thing that you're doing a little bit more than yesterday? What is that one thing that you're pressing into? Maybe it's just a faith step. Maybe it's I'm having, I'm going to grow in my faith 1% more today than yesterday. It doesn't have to go at your pace. It has to go at God's pace. Our pace wants to go 10, 20, 50% faster. So we want to do 30 different things to be better this year in 2024. And guess what? Those 30 things ain't working out. Don't worry about the 30 things. What's the one thing? 
What's the one thing? Don't worry about the whole life. What's the one thing that you can work on now? That's what we need to focus on. And here it, he goes into where he recognizes the threat. In verse 14 is, is a big one. I love this verse. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. So number one, I'm telling you right now, whatever it is, what, who, whoever and whatever is feeding lies for you or making you think worst case scenario, who's my worst case scenario people, right? One little mistake, the world's going to end. No, you just spilled your coffee. Calm down. It's okay, right? Uh, spill my coffee and then I'm going to slip and then I'm going to break my hand and then I won't be able to go to work and then I'll get fired and all this like, whoa, stop. It's just spilled coffee. Wipe it up. Go about your day. It's okay. It's okay. It's not. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Remember our God who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers and sisters, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Remember God first and let's go fight. Not just for ourselves, but because one, God has called us. God will lead us. And it's for something greater than even ourselves. It's for a community. That's the purpose of this, is that you have purpose. You have meaning. And you have something to fight for. And it's worthy of it. And so that's what they do. They work in one hand and they have protection in the other. And I, there's a quote where, it, you know, a lot, and there's, oh man, I'm not even going to get into the debate, like all the 2A stuff and everything in, in this year. But uh, there, there's a great quote in here. Um, Matthew Henry, a great um, theologian, says, um, if we think to secure ourselves by prayer without being watchful, otherwise without doing specific measures to make sure that we are secure, uh, however that is, right? If we So if we think to secure ourselves by prayer without watchfulness, we are slothful and we try to tempt God. And if by watchfulness, but without prayer, we are then proud and, sl and slight God. Either way, we forfeit his protection. See, it's a balance of both that, yes, we need to believe in God, pray for God's protection, pray for his hand of, uh, over us uh, and his might and all of that and fully believe that he will. But on the other side is don't tempt him by otherwise saying, God, you know, I'm I've got all these threats and I'm just going to do nothing because you're so great. And it's just, and he's just like, no, you have a brain. I give you a brain. All right. I gave you two hands. I gave you two legs. I gave you all of these things. There is a level that God has already blessed us with the ability to know how to also be very practical in what, Hey, we have a threat. You need to protect against the threat. Use your brain on top of your faith as well. Use both faith and brain together, faith and brain. They work together. But if we don't use faith and brain, then we're going to have blind faith, 
which God never gave us blind faith because he healed the sight of people. Amen. And then we don't have just our brain because we also need the faith to build and renew our mind. So we don't believe the lies of the enemy, right? Our faith protects our brain and our brain also strengthens our faith. It goes both hands. That's what we must do. And so there's a balance to having both. We at church believe God, but we also have our security team. <laughs> okay. We're not naive. All right. And so there's a level that we have to do both. So if you're a prepper out there, keep prepping, but you need to pray to God. Right. If you're, if you have zero security and you're just like faith. All right. We need to, we need to, we need to get some prepping going on just a little bit. All right. There needs to be that balance in life. Right. You still wear your seatbelt, right? I hope you do. Faith and brain together, faith and brain. But that's what we have. Ultimately, it's not only just the physical, but what are we doing to protect ourselves mentally and spiritually? You know, a gun and a blade can't solve or protect from a lot of problems. It can for some, but not all of them. And those lies and attacks that the enemy comes at us with, many times, it's that war in the mind. And so there's a great book I'm going through right now, and um, it's um, Winning the War in Your Mind by uh, Craig Rochelle. And I highly recommend this book. Um, And it really goes through and has some great exercises after every chapter to really kind of work on that war in the mind. That war and understanding, you know, that we need to dispel the lies, get rid of the lie and fill it with truth. And that's what we do when we're here on soap. That's what we do when we're in the word of God is that we're dispelling the lies when we're filling that hole, that void. Now we got rid of the lie, right? And we fill that void in our mind with truth. We fill it with God's truth. And so I I pray today that we've been able to dispel some lies in our lives, fill them with God's truth that he loves you and he sent his only son to bridge that gap. He loves you. So let us pray. Father, we we just thank you for your word today. Maybe we not just have blind faith, but we also have actionable faith. Our our minds and our faith come together to just form an amazing, not only shield, but weapon uh, in in the war against uh, our enemy and to rebuild and and build even more uh, your kingdom, Lord. Lord, we just pray that... um, we find those gaps in our walls and we build those up as well. We, we build those boundaries where we need boundaries. We build up uh, other warriors within our circle to fight wars uh, together. Uh, may we dispel the lies and fill them with your truth. Lord, may you continue to just guide your hand. Lord, I pray for those that, that feel like they are purposeless in life and that you give them and help them understand the full purpose in which they are breathing right now for. Lord, this, this life is worth fighting for. But not alone, 
but with you. Lord, we love you. We pray for your healing hand over those that are just battling with mental illness and uh, and basically believing lies. May we dis- dispel those lies. May we break those. May we uh, pull those that are believing those things into finding the real truth of your love, your grace, and your mercy, and show them that believing the truth is so much more rewarding than believing the lie. In your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Uh, Take care. God bless. We'll see you this weekend for an amazing Sunday. And also don't forget, love to see you on Saturday morning at Heart for the House. See you then. Take care. God bless.